0: Welcome, everyone, to On Podcast, on Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Kareem Anderson, and I'm joined by...
1: David Allen. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh,
0: yes, yeah, so I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, happy belated longest day of summer. I believe the summer's solstice thing uh, happened, what was that, day, day and a half ago?
1: Yesterday, uh, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, I think it might have been yesterday. So uh, for those of you feeling out of sorts, just be happy that it's Friday. Uh, at least now that we're recording. Uh, We want to thank everyone for joining us uh, for another weekend full of news. We have a lot to talk about, uh, specifically the biggest news in Microsoft land, which is the battle with the FTC, which started yesterday. But before we get into all of the drama and all the details and all the information that came out uh, during that, like, I don't know, six-hour court case, we will get you kind of caught up on some of the headlines um, and actually maybe we'll do this in reverse do the headlines first then get to our subject matter um, we have a reveal about Xbox losing the console wars uh, this ties into the bigger overall narrative of our uh, podcast today we have Microsoft advertising completing a transition to Xander which uh, is something they bought from at I believe a year or maybe two years ago uh, we have Microsoft uh, changing its mind and backtracking on changes to the mail and calendar app in windows Uh, and we'll talk about why that's uh, a reality instead of uh, us getting a new uh, app and we also have google levying allegations of unfair practices yet again against microsoft's azure cloud which they i think they've done previously in the eu but now they're doing it uh, with the ftc uh no relation to ftc versus microsoft for activision and then we have bing image creator uh rolling out new uh I guess going to Skype finally. Uh, yes, Skype is still a thing that we have to talk about. And then we'll let you kind of uh, talk about some of the new things coming to Loop, which is an app that we haven't mentioned in a while, but we use uh, pretty much every week. Uh, with that being said, let's start with our first headline.
1: All right, I'm going to jump down onto actually what is my second headline. We talked about it earlier in the week. I think we talked about it some last week. We know that Microsoft has said they're going to give us the one outlook app where they want to combine everything together basically into one app that allows you to have your google accounts your work accounts and your personal accounts all in one place i believe last week we had reported that it would be september of 2024 when the existing mail app would retire well there's been some backlash and because of the backlash Microsoft has said by the end of twenty twenty four. So if October, November, December, if three months makes a difference makes a difference to you, you do have three more months next year to use the existing mail app as it is. I know something we had talked about internally on our internal chat was I think there's some resistance against some of the consumers out there that don't necessarily want to see the existing ways of mail change and kind of like we talked about in our discussion some people didn't want to see smartphones either and a kareem i think this was something you brought up some people didn't want to see smartphones but we eventually made our way that way so i hope that some of these stragglers out there are not holding up innovation because microsoft is listening to them uh yeah for
0: those of you who've been listening for a while you know i'm pretty hot tempered on uh progress for progress sake uh, yes. i am the guy who is saying let's keep moving forward and stop waiting on the uh, old guard and uh i was tempered by our editor-in-chief kip and yourself uh, explaining that it's not necessarily that people don't want to advance your progress or anything like that it's microsoft's once again clunky way of implementing things uh mostly the if i had to Assume most of the feedback and, and uh, the fight towards keeping Mail and Calendar app is just the way that Microsoft is presented. Uh, similar to the way they did, did Outlook Beta, uh, there's a toggle on the Mail and Calendar app which will switch you to the new PWA version, uh, switching you from the UWP version. But what that also does is if you have uh, dual apps, which uh, is the full Outlook. From uh, that you get with Microsoft 365, that also changes. So if you are someone who uh, splits your time across uh, your, you know, your casual uh, personal email and your work email on the same device, Microsoft Switch will change both. And for those of you who are not ready to be on uh, the new Outlook, the PWA version for business or for work or whatnot, uh, if you're not ready to lose features, uh, that's a big thing. uh, The Outlook uh, through Outlook uh, for 365 is just, you know, it's feature heavy. It's something that has been developed over the last 35 years. It's, you know, something people have known and businesses have set up things for specifically. Uh, If you toggle that switch in Mail and Calendar app, which is again, the UWP version that showed up in Windows 8, in this transition from Windows 8 to 10, uh, that will all change. So, again, it isn't necessarily that people are clinging to this outdated platformed app that comes embedded in Windows because they just love the aesthetic and they love the simplicity of it. Part of it may just be uh, when I make one change here, it affects something else there. Microsoft needs to. Um, hopefully take this time this next three months to figure out how to separate the two. Allow people to try the PWA while also maintaining their uh, you know, ex- their out their exchange setups in their regular office outlook.
1: I'm afraid they're just gonna have to do kind of do it the Apple way and maybe just go ahead and push this forward kind of like Apple does with some well, of I their think, stuff.
0: I think that's what they tried, and that's a problem, is that they wanted to make the switch to the PWA for everything across the board, but the problem is, is that they don't have the user base that is patient enough to for them to rebuild features like uh, Apple. They would like Final Cut Pro or something like that. They want their features because they rely on them heavily every day, uh, and they can't say, "Hey, in six to eight months, you'll get some of these some of these features back." No, I need them tomorrow because I have things to you know I have you know certain ways that I triage email, I have certain answers that I need to do, and things like that. So, uh, they were trying to do the band aid switch, I think, which is why it affects the full-blown app. And again, Windows users are very different from from Mac users and that continues to be, unfortunately, the case for Microsoft trying to go forward. Uh, We won't belabor that point anymore. We'll get to our next headline, uh, which is Microsoft Advertising completes its transition to Xander supply-side platform. Uh, For those of you scratching your head about what any of those words mean, uh, it may have gotten lost in all of our coverage of more consumer-friendly things, but uh, Microsoft, uh, I believe, bought Xander from AT&T back in December, 2021. Uh, what it is, it's, it's a monetization platform and supply side uh, that allows Microsoft to transition all of its advertising uh, t- and consolidate it into an inventory and streamlined uh, buying process for advertisers. Uh, the integration of Xander's uh, SSP will provide Microsoft advertising with the unified global platform for various ad formats, including display, video, and native ads. Avid uh, inventory and popular Microsoft platforms such as Microsoft Start, which is, you know, they're still trying to build that up on mobile as well. MSN, Outlook, and Microsoft Casual Games will now be accessible through a single platform. Notably, a significant portion of the display and native ads are heavily being transitioned with the focus on shifting the video ads in the coming months. Uh, despite the changes, advertisers will still maintain the same level of access to Microsoft's uh, owned and operated properties uh, through the open marketplace and the preferred demand side platforms. However, Microsoft aims to simplify the purchasing process by offering advertisers the convenience of buying inventory from one platform and working uh, with a unified team. Now, the inventory available on the new platform can be purchased through the advertiser preferred DSP, uh, and they're, you know, Microsoft's still signing contracts with their major DSPs already integrated seamlessly uh, with the monetization SSP. Uh, basically, Microsoft is, again, adding more features uh, making it easier for advertisers to buy into the Microsoft platform. This is going to be big going ahead, as we mentioned, as Microsoft is looking to uh, revitalize and revamp the way it does search, uh, with Bing, particularly and the, and getting and offering advertisers more bang for their buck, being able to uh, go to one spot and advertise against across LinkedIn, as we mentioned, MSN, uh, Microsoft Start, Outlook. Uh, and all of the various other properties that Microsoft is building into this, eventually, I would, could see them potentially having access to the Xbox team because we know yes. that they're going to be pushing ads for Xbox soon. What do you think?
1: I think this is bigger than what most people might 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 think it is. I know I have done several. Let's use Google as the example. I have done several Google advertisement fronts. You know hundreds of thousands of dollars of Google ads. It's not easy to do, so I think the catch is here. If Microsoft, as you mentioned, can make this easy to where you you. Fit certain criteria to advertise on their platform and you click a few buttons. You put your ad in there and you move on. Then you've got something that might be a threat to the big the big Google out there, but they've got to make it simple. They got to make it easy I know you know Google is kind of the leader right now in advertising and to me you have to jump through too many hoops to get your ads where you want them the way you want them and in a way that the average person can create an ad and not necessarily need a marketing team to do so so if Microsoft can put this across the board and make it easy I'd be a fan and I would probably use it
0: Yeah, I mean in the age of AI and chatbots, it's going to be interesting to see how both Microsoft and Google pivot to give advertisers a place to still put their ads despite uh, people becoming more casually acquainted with uh, search results being pulled from the web into their chatbot versus them going to the web to find, you know, links and and, uh, a marketplace for whatever they're searching. Uh, The last bit of information I just wanted to throw in is that uh, this will also be utilized uh, for Netflix. uh, Because we know that Microsoft and Netflix have partnered, uh, and I think their deals for five years, at least. So for the next uh, four and a half years, Netflix uh, will be making use of and pretty much experimenting for the rest of big businesses uh, with this new integrated Xander platform. So uh, just wanted to throw that in there. What's our next headline?
1: Well, we're going to stay on the uh, Bing train here. If you're still a Skype user, if there's you know still the few five of you out there that might still be using it, um, you can now get Bing chat on Skype. It has recently been integrated. You can also get the image generator as well. So if you're looking something to drum up a conversation or have something to talk about. You can try that while you're in Skype, but also probably the bigger thing that was a little surprising to me, Microsoft has introduced the Bing chat widget for iOS. So here we go. We finally have something that is a little bit of inoperable between Microsoft and an Apple product or just Microsoft and Edge in general. So now you can get a Bing chat widget on iOS And it is powered, of course, by the Bing chat. And you can basically have a seamless experience. I did have a chance to check that out. Pretty cool. You can pop that right up there on your homepage. And basically ask Bing anything. I was very interested in what I saw there. Yeah, I have nothing
0: more to add to that. So I'm going to move on to... Uh, the start of our discussion about court cases. Google's levying allegations of unfair practices against Microsoft's Azure Cloud Unit. Uh, For those of you who again, have been listening to the podcast for a while, know that this seems to be an ongoing thing. Uh, The difference between uh, what we've reported in the past and what we're reporting now is that Google has lodged an official grievance with the Federal Trade Commission, alleging that its adversary, Microsoft uh, employs deceptive tactics to secure deals with its Azure Cloud service. Uh, what we reported in the past is that it, uh, the Google, Google has gone to the EU to do uh, the same exact thing. And because of their uh, grievances being uh, lodged, Microsoft has had to backtrack on some of the ways it's uh, leveraging and synergizing euphemism uh, teams and cloud and some other things like that. So uh, Google submitted a letter to the Federal Trade Commission on Wednesday in which uh, they raised concerns regarding Microsoft's licensing practices, um, which they consider biased and detrimental to healthy competition. The company has accused Microsoft of attempting to influence cloud computing markets by restricting clients freedom to switch services. Uh, the letter has been sent uh, in response to a broader inquiry by the FTC to receive opinions on possible activities that could be deemed anti-competitive within the cloud industry. It's worth noting that this is not the first time Google has taken action. It's also worth noting that Google is uh, a relative third place in the market. So, uh, you know, if the FTC is going to anybody or receiving information from anybody, they, you know, should just keep that in mind that uh, it, the smallest competitor is having uh, one of the biggest issues. I'm sure AWS isn't necessarily complaining about Microsoft just yet for these kind of things. Uh, in the complaint, Google targeted Microsoft by asserting that its dominance in the market through the deployment of Windows Server and Microsoft Office makes it challenging for its extensive client base to opt out of anything other than Azure Cloud infrastructure. The search giant further described the restrictions imposed by Microsoft's complicated licensing framework as a hindrance to companies seeking to diversify their enterprise uh, software vendors. Now, uh, Microsoft, again, this sort of same complaint happened in the EU uh, where they basically devalued uh, their uh their own software to make it more advantageous for people to get the full stack and they've also increased the the pricing fees to use third-party uh, uh i.e google cloud mixed with uh azure as well so it isn't that they you know locked them out completely they just made it financially lucrative uh or more financi- uh, financially beneficial for companies to go with the full stack with uh office and windows and a Windows Server and Azure than it is to kind of piecemeal this thing and I think believe that is Google's major complaint so they've had to readjust their licensing fees in the EU which I suspect they may have to do with the FTC soon what do you think?
1: I think there's going to be more adjustments as this goes through this you know it's kind of like what we're about to get into with Microsoft and gaming and Xbox I think these cloud arguments are just now getting started and like you said it's just because google is on the bottom of the bottom of the list as far as performers they're going to be the first to first to scream i don't think you're going to hear a whole lot of screaming from microsoft and you know amazon but i don't think it's cool that there are pricing changes based on competition and somebody else gets a deal that somebody else doesn't The deal should be across the board. And like I said, I understand that these cloud companies have certain deals in certain regions, and that's fine. You know, here in the U.S., we may not get the same deal that somebody in the EU or somewhere else does. But at least in what, you know, ever how they divide their regions up, no matter what cloud provider you are, keep the deals the same. That's the easy way to keep yourself out of trouble. Yeah, that being said, let's get to our
0: last two headlines so we can get into Microsoft getting into new trouble because they are not keeping the deals the same.
1: Let's see. What do we got here? I believe our last well, one's just about uh, a Loop, right? Yep. I'm sorry. I, I had scrolled the wrong way, folks. I had scrolled to my uh, <laughs> a- Xbox commentary. But before we, before we jump to that, let's talk about Loop. Loop is... um something that Microsoft announced a couple, three or four months ago, kind of as a not a OneNote competitor, and we talked about it briefly, and we really didn't know what we were getting into with Loop, and uh, we use Loop here on the podcast and to track some of our news and reviews, and they found it very useful for our team, and it was nice to see what appears to be the first round of updates come this week for loop we just have a couple things here we have something called boost where if you're missing that teamwork feeling boost lets you share the fun and send expressive messages to others and celebrate and draw attention to those and things that you do in love you can send boosts from the communications menu next to the comments and reactions. So, you don't think about it as sending an emoji or like Kareem does here, sending animated gifts around um, messaging platforms. You'll be able to do some of that in loop. And Microsoft is also improving the version history. When working with your past versions of your loop page, it is now easier and more reliable to find your revisions. I know when it first came out, that was something we had issues with for the first couple of weeks not had that issue lately. Hopefully they've got that resolved and the last one here is summary row for people you can share the workload with summary row for people. Summary row attributes work to the people that are mentioned with the at symbol like if you're typing a message and you go at Kareem Anderson you can make sure that that person is attributed to the work that they did and the work that they were assigned in the project I know from a personal standpoint loop is still in preview I hope these improvements keep coming and I hope loop keeps getting big, bigger we enjoy it here for the podcast Yeah, as you mentioned,
0: uh, it's not necessarily a one-to-one competitor for OneNote, or even uh, Notion, so to speak. It is more, it's at least developing, as far as I can tell by the updates and some of the feature sets that we've gotten so far to become more of a competitor to Monday or Reich or any of the other project management systems that you may uh, have to use in your workflows. Uh, Because again, we're not getting, I don't believe it has pin support yet. Uh, There are some other features from OneNote that are lacking that make it more of a note-taking, uh adventure than it you know uh, what we have now it's a lot of tech space a lot of linkage uh, a lot of uh, linking at uh, and responsibilities for people things of that Co- uh heavily on the uh, collaboration aspects of things uh, so again not necessarily one note competitor more project management just know that going in if you're going to be able to test it uh with that being said let's get to our main topic and we'll close out our podcast with this discussion um we are talking about yesterday's court case uh the biggest one yet for microsoft and it's a 68.2 billion dollar deal for activision blizzard uh they met uh, yesterday i believe that proceedings started around uh 11 30 ish or something like that uh, and we you know followed uh i believe his name is florian muller Mueller, Mueller, muller um on his Twitter thread, uh, I also followed some other sources. We had a, a live link that was uh, uh, telecasting the court proceedings. Uh, you know, we tried to find as many sources. I believe, you know, we also had Tom Warren who was reporting from from the the, the court itself. Uh, just to get get all the information that we could about uh, Microsoft uh, and the U.S. Federal Trade Commission sparring over this deal. Uh, just to kind of give you a brief overview, Microsoft, uh, I mean, uh, the FTC filed 120 pages of proposed findings of facts and conclusions uh, going into this. Uh, just oh, uh, before we even get into that, let's just make, cl- make this clear. This is about the injunction. This isn't the proposed FTC court date that's supposed to go over the investigation of the uh, anti-competitiveness for this deal. So I think people are getting confused that you know after the 5 days that this is supposed to be slotted for that we will have a decision that Microsoft could, can or won't be able to buy Activision Blizzard and that will be the end of it that is incorrect right. what they're doing yeah exactly what they're doing is they're fighting over the injunction if uh, the judge says hey there is enough evidence the if the federal trade commission provided enough evidence for me to say hey there's there is something anti- anti-competitive here we want you to further explore that at the end of five days then the injunction will be in place and Microsoft can't do anything until August 2nd if Microsoft proves that you know there's nothing egregious here out of the you know the normalcy of buying companies and exclusivity rights and all these other things and the judge says I don't see anything different than what other companies have been doing Microsoft can then appeal the injunction because it was already put in place the the restraining order and have that removed before August 2nd But they still have to meet august 2nd regardless of this the ftc and microsoft will meet august 2nd Uh, if they can get this injunction removed they can go back to eight the ftc i mean uh activision's board and say hey we just need four more months five more months or whatever to get this thing through let's renegotiate the 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 buyout part of the contract or the the uh, opt-out part of the contract that was supposed to happen july 18th uh maybe we don't pay three billion maybe we pay you 1.5 billion you buy us four more months to get this uh you know over and done with but that's what this case is, so just keep that in mind. Uh, what are your thoughts so far? I mean, I, I, like I said, I'm going to go over some details, but I want you to speak on, you know, your overall feel of the thing after, you know, sitting with it for about 12 hours.
1: Well, we've sit with it for about 12 hours, and like you said, we have seen things go back and forth. I think, you know, without stilling any thunder of anything we're getting ready to talk about, I think, you know, Microsoft is saying some things come out that maybe they didn't want to come out, such as different revenue splits between games. You know, there was a something that came out that said, hey, Activision's getting an 80-20, and maybe some of the other developers out there are getting the 70-30. So I know that's going to upset some people even here during the hearings and even after the hearings, I'm sure there's going to have to be some Hard discussions with these publishers going, hey, you know, we're getting this and we're, you know, and Microsoft is also making a solid statement. I think that they are third in the console wars. I think, you know, people, myself included, you hear the Microsoft name or the Xbox name, you automatically think that, yeah, they're number one. No, they're not. They're actually behind Sony and Nintendo. So, you know, That, I think, plays in their favor. I think Microsoft might be trying to sell it a little bit that, hey, we need Call of Duty over here to survive. But, you know, Call of Duty is not going to pull them up competitive with Nintendo and Sony. There's more work to be done there. That was um, a headline that I actually left off knowing that we were about to discuss this here in the opening discussion, you know. Microsoft has basically said the console wars are over. We, you know, we have lost on the hardware side. I agree with that. Microsoft is a software company first. They always have been. I think that's what they're looking for here. There's not, you know, that that's what they're trying to achieve. That's how they're trying to fight the other two competitors, Nintendo and Sony.
0: Yeah, uh, we're going to in a second, I just want to give you again off the top a chance to talk about that chime in. Now here's some of the details uh, that you can impress your friends with about this court case. Uh, Like I said, FTC filed 120 pages of proposed findings uh, of fact and conclusions uh, that were heavily redacted while Microsoft and Activision roughly filed 80 pages combined. So they had a much smaller uh, case to uh to pursue. Uh and this kind of leads to the fact that the FTC has to win the injunction and they're also kind of laying the groundwork for their August 2nd date as well. So they had a little more to kind of uh present and prove than Microsoft did. Uh Microsoft began this ex- uh, uh exhibit list uh uh for the FTC, including uh, head of uh, Microsoft Studios Matt Booty, communi- with communications from Matt Booty uh, to executives on the Nintendo team, Nintendo Switch team, where they're discussing Xbox games for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, emails between uh, Xbox Phil, uh, Hex- Xbox head Phil Spencer, and PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan, which becomes. Uh, a pretty bombastic email that we find out about later. These emails are between Spencer and the business strategy teams to bring multiple stores on the Xbox and a discussion of pettiness from Sony and GameSpot uh, fanboy reviews. So, you know, uh, because there are just, in general, more uh, PlayStation owners, uh, they've been bombarding Xbox reviews and games and things like that and kind of uh, basically bombing some of the games, uh, some of the comments and some of the overall Uh, feel about Xbox in the gaming industry as part of public discovery early in the proceedings, a deposition from Jim Ryan, uh, which included the reveal that the CEO planned uh, not to share details about its next console with Activision if the deal, if Microsoft does close the deal. Uh, during that same deposition, because again, Ryan's not going to be at this hearing, but they do have video deposition that should answer a lot of the questions. He was asked about Microsoft's stewardship of Minecraft on PlayStation, uh, which would require the company to have access to console details anyway to provide future services and that was in, in the deposition. Uh, the part of it was redacted, uh, but the available sentences that we could read uh, talks about, he's still concerned about the Microsoft having access to future console development information. Uh, it just seems kind of weird that he's ready to basically cut Activision off from access to this when the whole point is that Microsoft wants to provide games and keep games on every platform. So it, Will look like Microsoft is uh, being anti-competitive when it is in fact Jim Ryan saying, "Hey, you know, we don't want you having access to uh, what we're going to develop for the next PlayStation, even though Microsoft needs it for the games." Uh, Microsoft opened its case filing issue today that offered an admission that, like you mentioned, the Xbox has lost the console wars, uh, and its rivals are positioned to continue to dominate. Further attempting to diminish its uh, role in gaming market, Microsoft revealed that it made up about 60%, a 60% share of console sales in 2021, while only 21% of overall console install base. So again, even smaller. They also tried to, you know, kind of convolute the idea by throwing everything in there, saying like, you know, compared to PC sales, compared to mobile gaming, which their only presence, I believe, is Minecraft, compared and then add the other two uh, platforms on there. Microsoft is, you know, probably fourth or fifth very distant uh, because again, it is one small market. Uh, They also, both um, camps, FTC and Microsoft had 20 minutes to do their opening arguments. Uh, FTC's FTC's console, James Weingart, uh, set the parameters by leaning into the business practices for securing exclusive, saying like, this is the way that business is done and Microsoft's looking to take a big leap, uh, which would be, you know, what we find uh, more anti-competitive than what's normally being done. Uh, And they also set the parameters by cutting out the switch and cutting out PCs. So again, Microsoft's, a window of uh, opportunity to argue about the market in general became smaller. Now, with that being said, it also still puts Microsoft in the uh, backseat of the of the market in the industry because even if you were to count out the Nintendo Switch and PC markets, they are second to uh, Sony and by uh, a wide margin. I think it's it's being found out that you know we used to think that they were you know half the sales. They could be as far as a third or maybe even a fourth, depending on uh, when you check the quarters. So. I don't know if this necessarily helps the FTC. Uh, Microsoft opened its arguments, uh, painting Sony as a continued market leader, which again we've just discussed, and that they are they will continue to uh, get exclusivity because they you know have the install base now and the money uh, to keep buying deals. And if they don't buy studios, what they're doing is they're buying uh, contracts and licensing for marketing that makes it harder for Microsoft. To basically even talk about i think we found out that uh, because of one of the contracts that they had with activision uh, microsoft wasn't allowed to showcase call of duty on youtube for like six oh. months uh, microsoft's not allowed to market uh, to any other outside platforms uh, of call of duty because of the way that these contracts are structured with activision so again sony may not have bought activision but because of their market dominance and their ability to buy into the exclusivity, timed exclusivity, it has hurt and hindered Microsoft's ability to expand that even just as Call of Duty base, not necessarily as first party base, but just Call of Duty. And I'll let you speak to this in a second because we were just talking about this off mic. Uh, the other thing that they had going on was that uh, because of the market position, Activision was very close to not offering uh, the next version of Call of Duty on the Xbox, because they were they could be fined with the market share that Sony was providing, uh, and this leads to our revenue share discussion. Uh, one of the uh, lawyers had slipped and let out that Microsoft uh, offers 80-20 for Call of, uh, to Activision for Call of Duty, uh, when it normally has official documentation that it across the board only offers 70-30 splits of revenue uh, sharing. Uh, So, And the reason why Microsoft did this is because they said they needed Call of Duty on the platform and Activision was threatening to not offer it. So in order to keep them on the platform, they had to do 8020. And the reason why Activision was okay threatening was because they had Sony as their backing. And as we also mentioned, Nintendo is not a threat uh, because they were never going to put Call of Duty on the platform for development. So that would have effectively made Call of Duty a PlayStation exclusive had Microsoft not done the 8020. Your thoughts?
1: Kind of goes back to what we mentioned in the um, headlines about the deals with overseas or other markets for cloud platform. It's, it's it's not fair, I don't think, to have other deals for other games. And I know there's a fight here between Sony and Microsoft. And I think there's a little bit of a bigger picture here. I think no matter which way this goes, no matter when this ends, no matter If the FTC wins, Sony wins, Microsoft wins, the gamer here doesn't benefit. I don't think because the, the relationship will be fractured if it's not already. I mean, we, we, we've gotten to the point to where Sony is saying, look, we don't want to give Microsoft any information about whatever the PlayStation six or whatever it's going to be. We don't want to share that info. We don't want you to have it. So, that's kind of counterintuitive. If you want Microsoft to be able to offer games elsewhere, then you've got to provide that information. And I understand that Sony is being a little bit bullish here and they're saying, look, this is, you know, what we're going to do. And if we stay this way through the end of this, these hearings and whether this merger goes through, if it doesn't, then that's not good for the gamer. And like you mentioned, we've got, You know, people going out, putting in reviews for Microsoft games and kind of, you know, throwing it out there and throwing it on them. That's I guess that's the world we live in with, um, you know, you're unhappy. You've got to go voice your opinions. Um, If I had one thing to say about it, I'm ready for it to be over with either way. I'm ready for this to move on we still
0: i mean we're in day two we'll uh talk about just who's being interviewed today but uh we still have three more days of just the injection part right the actual court case in august 2nd could last uh longer than that uh just some other details that we got and I, i'm sure you know as a listener you'll probably be hearing or reading about these headlines uh jim ryan again C, uh, ceo of sony playstation had an internal email which kind of flies in contrast to what he's been saying over the last uh, year or so uh which he said that the uh, activision blizzard deal that microsoft's acquisition was based on is not ex- an exclusivity play at all and that he believed playstation would be quote uh quote would be fine uh so and he did this roughly when microsoft announced it but has since pivoted from that and gone to regulators saying like hey we're afraid that they're going to start being called exclusive the reason why and again i'm this is speculation on my part that he knew that it was not about an exclusivity deals because as microsoft has been saying time and time again, it would not be financially beneficial for them to pull the number one console install base from its library. Microsoft, exactly. still, has, Microsoft still has quarter quarterly revenues to in, to explain to its investors. And they will spend 68.2 billion or 69, whatever the final valuation has, will become to then say, we're going to take a big hit in the short term, if that's what they want to call it, to the medium, even potentially long-term doesn't make sense to the investors. That's not what they signed up for. And I'm pretty sure they promised that, the, you know, they would make money within a certain time, a certain window. Uh, Marcus, I mean, Sony's belief that, you know, we're going to cut out uh, Sony from Call of Duty for the next 10 years or however long they decide to make an exclusive just doesn't add up. And Microsoft has been saying that over and over, which is why they've, uh, you know, written out the contracts that, that they have. Another thing that we uh, got was uh, Bethesda's Peter Hines uh, kind of, but you know, Microsoft was on a roll. Heinz showed up, started getting questioned about Bethesda, and this is where I believe everyone's kind of uh, seen it being an even footing because he also brought up Heinz did one question uh, the exclusivity uh, deals that Microsoft basically snatched up with three big titles. One of the, two, one being Redfall, the other being Star uh, Starfield, which were already in contract and set to be a uh, multi-platform. When Microsoft bought Bethesda, they shut it all down and made it exclusive. The other one was uh, we found out that Indiana Jones was was a deal that that uh, Bethesda and Disney had already signed to make it multi-plat and Microsoft bought it, uh, changed the contract, got rid of that, and is now will be uh, Indiana Jones, whenever it do- is released will be an exclusive. I'm sure Microsoft's looking and hoping to have their own Uh, what is that, Uncharted series with this Indiana Jones release? Yeah. Uh, Which is probably why they made an exclusive. Uh, This is where a lot of Microsoft steam was kind of let out. Uh, It kind of took a lull for them. This was the second person who was interviewed. Uh, They talked for about almost an hour. Uh, And, you know, Hines, to his credit at the very end uh, of of being interviewed, still tried to reiterate that Microsoft is basically, you know, The deals that were signed before Microsoft uh, acquired them were deals made by somebody else. Microsoft doesn't necessarily have to honor any of those contracts, Uh, the same with what would happen with Activision, although they're saying that they will and they're putting it in writing. uh, They never Uh, did this for Bethesda and there was never asked of them when they you know the EU and a lot of other people let this go through nobody had asked them hey could you please make sure that these games still get released and Microsoft said no we're not going to do it after you know promising that they would they were never asked to they everyone understood that hey you know this is a potential potentiality of, uh, of, of acquiring a studio same thing happened with Insomniac like you know they weren't required to release uh, spider-man it could be it could potentially have been when they released in 2018 and then you know when sony bought them in 2019 we knew that the second spider-man was never going to see the light of day on the xbox console because that is a potential of buying or acquiring your studio so uh what are your thoughts to that
1: well the as you said the bethesda thing kind of threw some rain on the parade because if I'm Sony, I'm sitting over there going, see, see, they, they, they changed the deal after they made the purchase. Doesn't matter what they changed. Folks, they could have changed the toilet paper in the bathroom. But the, but, the, but the point is, you know, Sony has stood up and said, okay, there were contracts signed, which we have with Call of Duty. We have our contracts, I believe, through 2025, I think that call of duty and playstation are together so sony is standing up saying okay somebody they acquired has now said the contract changed after they acquired and they're looking at the judge going okay you see what they did here why won't they do that to us and then they're looking at microsoft going now you have to prove why you won't do this to sony and call of duty you know that's going to be a little bit of an uphill fight you know Signature may not be enough here. Yeah. So well, I mean, it's
0: also, uh, again, Heinz reiterated before he uh, left the, the question uh, being questioned was that uh, we were talking about, again, two different types of situations where unknown, untested, unreleased games were promised to a platform, while Call of Duty is, I don't know, a 16, 17 year staple. And R contracts, and it's being offered on the number one console platform. Uh, So, again, it's one thing to promise an undeveloped, unreleased game to a person and not knowing the success of it, which I think Microsoft uh, uh, explained that, you know, no game is ever promised to be a hit. So just like Redfall could have been on PlayStation and still been a, a, a disaster for them. And the effort and marketing that goes into doing that would have been disastrous for Microsoft to begin with. So what they're saying basically is that, you know, we're not, we weren't promised the success of a Call of Duty out of the gate or established history of or precedent for it. So having, you know, basically not offered it was still a gamble for Microsoft, but it was well within the rights to do so. Call of Duty is a, a known property, an established property. Uh, PlayStation customers have years of uh, dedicated gameplay to this and history with it. They weren't, you know, again, and it's also just not financially viable for them to do so. Uh, so that was that. Uh, we also ended the day with, uh, I believe her name is Sarah Bond. Uh, she is uh, the CVP of uh, Xbox, uh, corporate vice president. and uh, She basically shifted the conversation uh, from that entire uh, interaction with Heinz to about mobile gaming between Google and Apple and Microsoft's only presence being in Minecraft. She also talked about, she went over the eighty twenty split and why specifically Microsoft had to do it. Uh, then she also talked about, um, she walked through, she walked the judge and the lawyer who seemed to be unprepared for this through some of the intricacies of owning a, a COD gaming platform and uh, how Windows licensing works. that's another big headline. It, that um, was interesting. Yeah, so she explains that, you know, the difference between Azure servers and Xbox servers because the judge thought, hey, couldn't they just be the same, it's all the cloud, but she explains that they have to use specifically uh, Xbox consoles, uh, Xbox blades in order to to run the xCloud. She also talked about how uh, xCloud was going to to be spun off as its own uh, standalone service. Uh, and then they realized uh, the cost of, of having run xCloud and that it actually costs Microsoft more money the more t- the more people use it. So, uh, this is why they bundled it in the Game Pass and everything else uh, because it, it couldn't necessarily stand on its own, which uh, Google Stadia, and I believe someone from Google Stadia is speaking today, will attest to. Like, you know, it takes a lot of upfront infrastructure to do these kind of things and to offer cloud gaming by itself wasn't feasible. Uh, she also kind of wrapped up the biggest biggest revelations, uh, which is basically that uh, there are clauses in the contract which I you know I think Sony kind of i not Sony but I I'm saying it interchangeably. The FTC talked about. Uh, which is breadth them concern, which I believe one, one of the one specific clauses was unanticipated, unforeseen circumstances could allow Microsoft to renegotiate the deal, this 10-year deal that they've been offering everybody. Uh, you know, all of us have seen it as like, oh, you know, they're just good faith stewards and they just want to get the games out. But that clause could be a potential hole for Sony if they were to sign it. And Microsoft says, hey, we didn't expect to see... Um, such demand on your platform forward, or such demand on our own platform forward. So we're going to start changing the way we kind of offer these things. You don't maybe we give it to you three months later than we give it to ourselves, or anything, or the feature sets are different, things like that. Uh, that's where Sony has concern, as she talked about uh, what that meant and explained to the judge, like, hey, you know, again, we don't know what the circumstances are. We don't know that uh, the next Call of Duty is even a hit. Maybe it becomes a a stinker for everybody involved and Microsoft needs to find a way to balance that uh, upfront investment and things like that. So uh, that all being said, Ah, uh, that's how the court case ended. Uh, she was a rock star uh, that everybody's been kind of hailing. Uh, her responses were genuine; it seemed like she didn't seem rehearsed. Uh, the Cerebon. Uh, she also was very knowledgeable and seemed very passionate about the platform and and the product itself. So uh, we're always looking forward to maybe if she is brought up again to talk about stuff. But as of today, as we're speaking, we're in day two, and our list of interview people uh, being or witnesses being interviewed include. Uh, Phil Spencer uh Jim Ryan's video video deposition uh, as well as uh, finance director Jamie uh, law uh, lover loiver loiver then former studio head, uh Don uh, Do, Dove Zimmering. Zim Yeah. Uh, so it's bound to be, you know, quite impactful. Uh as of the recording now. Uh Jamie's already spoke, but they had a closed door session for that. They were closed for about 45 minutes because of the nature of the sensitivity and confidentiality that, uh on the numbers that were going to be spoke spoken about. Uh but uh we're interested to see what Phil Spencer has to say about it. He's wearing a tie, apparently. This is the first time in history we've heard about a tie on Spencer. Ever. <laughs> Uh, we're also here uh, to see what else what other kind of tidbits Jim Ryan may have accidentally released uh, so uh, we will keep you up to date as much as we can about this and we'll probably be talking about this again next week maybe not to such an extent we'll have perhaps have a decision before the time before we meet again but we want to thank you all for joining us we uh, keep tuned to the site because we will I will be dropping another long uh, recap of day two uh and if anything happens to break follow our Twitter where can people follow you on Twitter
1: David PHA1978 hanging out. Come give me your opinion. I'm interested. You know, that's something we haven't heard a whole lot about. What does the gamer think of all this? For for those that, you know, are old enough to understand, what does the gamer think of it? And, and those that are streamers and are out there, the younger folks, are, are, you know, are they concerned about their Call of Duty? Because Call of Duty is the, I was looking on Twitch last night, and I'll end here. I was looking on Twitch last night. And I was looking on a new platform called Kick that competes with Twitch, and I was noticing that the Call of Duty titles are the number one streamed title on both platforms. So, you know, and people are streaming from consoles or PCs. So, I'm, you know, it'd be interesting to know what do the gamers think about it. So, if you gamers are out there, hook, you know, find me on Twitter. Let's have a discussion. Dang it, David. This is about the gamer. We are trying to protect the gamer,
0: but we don't care what the gamer has to say about it, okay? This is the oh, FTC's role. Uh, <laughs> that's about right. Keep quiet while we protect you. Um, you can find me at mynet one on Twitter. Uh, we also want to uh, get your opinions on this format. We And we changed it up slightly. Do you guys want the headlines before the big discussion, or would you like us to go back to the old way? Because uh, we can do both. Uh, again, thank you all, and I hope you guys all have a great weekend.
1: Take care, folks.